We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Uncontested. This is Jacob. I got Nick with me tonight. What's going on? We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. So please make sure to go and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested and Blue Wire Podcast Network at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, so we have two guests coming on the pod tonight. Our first one here, he's joining us to talk about free agency across the entire league. You can read his work at Yahoo Sports, Celtics blog, Real GM. He's also all over Twitter, dropping bits of salary cap and CBA knowledge, including a free Google Sheets document with info on lots of team salary cap updates. Uh, I've already used that a ton this week in preparation for free agency, uh, but we are super excited to welcome back Keith Smith. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, excited for free agency to kick off here in just a few days. It should be, you know, it's my favorite time of the year. It's like Christmas in, well, I guess June. No, not July. <laughs> yeah, Christmas six hours before July, I guess. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, I guess first off, let me just ask you about that. Do you like that the league moved free agency up six hours so we're not all scouring the internet and the Twitter sphere at midnight? Man, I live on the East Coast, so I love it. Uh, this is you know one of the best. This is one of the best things to happen in the in the NBA for me in a long time. Completely selfishly, it's uh, as much as it was fun to be 
you you knew the true diehards who were still hanging in there at two three in the morning East Coast time, you know, waiting for those uh, Timofey Mozgov goodness to come out. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you know, but the twenty sixteen, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, but as you're, you know, kind of, kind of, I get a little older. It's Sunday night, Monday. You know, work day the next day. I'm all for this six p.m. start. It's going to be great. You know, get the get those honey do lists done, and then uh, settle in for a good night. Absolutely. So, so you're a, you're a Boston guy, Keith. Uh, I guess we should start there, um, you know, in our dive into the NBA with the, with the Kimber rumors and, you know, some of the Steven Adams trade rumors to Boston, potentially, what do you think? And what have you heard Boston may be looking to do here on Sunday at 6 PM? Yeah, it sounds like they are really locking in on Kemba Walker. When they at draft night made the the really the salary dump of Aaron Baines, we we knew they weren't going to use all three first round picks. Danny Ainge had been very clear about that. But then when they really use that pick to dump Aaron Baines uh, on the Phoenix Suns, they you you had to feel like something was being set up. It was going to be uh, some, something big because it was just it, 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 Danny Ainge isn't angling for that much cap space for nothing. It sounds like that's going to be Kemba Walker, and that's. Way they're going to go to, uh, so that that would make you know a good good amount of sense. And then from from there, it gets really tough. I don't buy a lot of this. Well, it's going to be Kemba Walker and Stephen Adams, Kemba Walker and Clint Capella, Kemba Walker and insert you know free agent big man X here. The only reason why is that Kemba Walker gets all the cap space, so there, there's not going to be enough room left. Sure, they could be part of a trade that goes and gets some Clint Capella. They could trade for Stephen Adams, but those guys' salaries make it you know. Hard, not impossible, but hard to complete a trade for those guys, and it's it just seems very unlikely to me. So I think think they're locking in on Kemba, but that was also before the Lakers cleared a max salary slot today. So yeah, well we'll see, you know where where that all factors in and plays out. But that that's the direction I think Boston's headed right now. So do you think Boston is comfortable kind of running back that same that same roster from last year, minus Horford, minus Kyrie, and just simply? inserting Kemba and, and trying to make another playoff push. Yeah, definitely. Well, and what they'll do is they're going to add another big, uh, I think cause someone like maybe like a Robin Lopez type or something like that. Somebody they can get with the room exception with the idea of, Hey, you're the only true center on the roster. So you're probably going to start and play quite a bit. And then they'll, They'll give the rest of the backup minutes to maybe Robert Williams, who they're still pretty high on. And it'll be a very Brad Stevens team. It'll be a team that is built around a bunch of similarly sized wings that are fairly interchangeable, a scoring guard, and then a center whose main focus is, you know, to do the dirty work screening and, uh, you know, moving the ball on offense and then on the defensive end, you know, protecting the rim and rebounding and those kind of things. So, you know, it seems like it's starting to shape up to be a, you know, a team that I think can be pretty good in Boston. Sometimes less is more. And I think that. That's really, really what the Celtics need at this point. Yeah, and I know people have talked about, you know, Kemba is is a lot like Kyrie Irving as far as how they play in the court, just not quite as good as Kyrie Irving. But the the swap there, just as far as the the personality, the the in the locker room, how he's going to mesh with some of those other guys, seems like just that alone you take the talent downgrade for the better locker room and it might solve a lot of those problems that were going on in Boston. Yeah. One of the things I said on Twitter today was that it is, um, this is a situation where 
Kyrie Irving in a vacuum is a better basketball player than Kemba Walker. I don't know very many people who would argue that. Now, I don't think the difference is massive. I do think you know, Kyrie is better, but it's they were both all NBA guys, and I think Kyrie's a little bit younger, so that accounts for something. But but the the challenge that comes in is Kyrie on offense needs the ball. He's a guy who he's a ball dominant guy, and that's fine because he's very good. Kemba is a little bit better playing off the ball. He's actually done well with that at points in his career. He did well with, with that this year, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Hornets uh, when he would play in lineups with Tony Parker. He would actually shift over and uh, play off the ball as a two guard because they struggled to find a quality backup too uh, for most of the season. So what I think you have with that is the fit on court becomes better as well as obviously all the locker room stuff should improve. But the fit on court, what that does is it turns into – um, Kemba can at times turn it over to Hayward to really be the primary playmaker or turn it on to Tatum and Brown and let them, you know, play and, you know, no, he's comfortable spotting up. He's a good spot up shooter and a little bit better of a spot up shooter than Kyrie is actually. So, you know, that, that's, that's a tough thing. It's one of those things where, you know, Twitter doesn't allow for that nuance in 280 characters. You can't really have that, you oh, know, yeah. that full, you know, good saw back and forth as you like. But that was kind of the point I was trying to get across is is there. And then Kemba's a worker on defense. He's not he's not a good defender, but he works. You know, you never see him, you know, just giving up on plays and going missing. So that'll be important as well because there are points where Kyrie looked, uh, let, let's just call it less than interested on that end of the floor. Yeah, so definitely. For I'm I'm curious in this. I want to hear your take on this. So obviously Al Horford is a great floor spacing big. He can, you know, step out and shoot the three. And although Robin Lopez is starting to integrate that into his game, you know, he didn't shoot any threes for the first, you know, eight years of his career. In these last couple of years, he started to shoot the three, you know, ha, you know, point four attempts a game last season. How do you see that affecting the overall flow of the Celtics offense? Do you see Brad Stevens kind of transitioning his kind of scheme, his system on offense? Or, or do you think they, they kind of run it back and, and have a similar style of offense? Yeah, well, let's first see who they get right at that that position. I think what you'll ideally see them do is they will um you'll really turn it into the the offense that it was a couple years ago before Horford got there. So about three years ago when it was uh, a lot of it was involved guys like Amir Johnson and Tyler Zeller holding down the middle. And what they, what they did with those guys was those guys were screeners, ball movers, uh, you know, pick and roll guys, roll men out of those things, guys who hung out in the dunker spot. I think that's what you see them transition to. And they start to play a lot more of a four out um, offense with the wings and in the, the guards. So Stevens thinks of it a little bit differently too. He doesn't, he, he doesn't call them guards, forwards and centers. He calls them ball handlers, wings, bigs, and then swings are guys who can do both and, or do multiple things. And in this case, you know, they're loaded with those wings, Hayward, Brown, Tatum, they can all play together because they can all defend uh, the three main, main positions that they would have to defend. So you're looking at Kemba being the primary ball handler, those three guys as, as your wings. And then a big who, like I said, does all the dirty work. And that's, that's a, a group that Stevens has had a lot of success with or, or a offensive style that he's had a lot of success with in the past. So that's what I expected to go back to. So earlier, whenever we were talking about Kemba, Keith, you you kind of referred to to the Lakers, who I want to get to now. Um, seems today they have traded everyone else that was on that roster besides 
LeBron and Kuzma. Uh, yeah, they've got Anthony they Davis. To, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got Davis to give up that $4 million trade kicker yep. uh, in order to open up a, a max slot. So a little two-part question here for you. Number one, what do you think the Lakers are going to do with that cap space? Um, and then number two, what do you think their best path forward with that cap space is? So like, basically, what do you think Palinka will do with that? And number two, if if you were in charge, what do you think the best route to use that money? Yeah, this is, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of podcasts and radio, and this has been the most popular uh, question out there because it's it's what really is on all of our minds. So when I think about this, there's there's two things I go back to is is one is I th- I, I think and I agree with this strategy. I think they're going to go for the third star. They think what you want to do if you can get that third star. Now, who that is, I don't. I don't know. You know, is that Jimmy Butler? Is that Kawhi Leonard? Is that Kyrie Irving? Is that Kemba Walker? Whoever it is, you're going to go get that third guy because what that does is that protects you a little bit if James or Davis is out and misses time. Or I think it's very likely that we see the um, team really switch into kind of. Uh, uh, preventative maintenance mode, I guess, is the best way to call it. We saw the Raptors have a ton of success with that with Kawhi. Let's face it, LeBron, he, while he may be a cyborg, maybe that cyborg needs to go into the shop every once in a while. And I think it is you know best to see them let him uh, you know get some rest days in there. Davis is a guy who's kind of constantly nicked up. He's, he's over the major injury bugs, but there's always something going on. So let him go and rest on occasion. And then what that allows you to do if you have that third guy, you're, you're still a competitive team if one of those two is out. Now, the other reason why I say that, this free agent market is very, very different than most years. In, in when we hit that 6 p.m. mark on the on the 30th here, this coming Sunday, 200 players are right around that, that number are going to be free agents. That's about 40% of all the guys in the NBA are going to be free agents. That's that's insane. And 14 teams have cap space and a lot of cap space. And it sounds really good to have you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 million dollars in cap space till you realize you're going to spend that on one or two guys in some cases. So that cap space is going to go very, very quickly. That means you're going to have a ton of guys who are left when the music stops. They don't have a chair in musical chairs. They're, they're going to be still standing around and they're going to look at it and they're going to look at their agent and be like, you said I was going to get paid. What's going on? The agent's like, how about part of the room exception here? How about a minimum contract over there? And that's going to be what we're going to see happen. And because of that, the Lakers are going to be able to build out a good roster with a bunch of quality NBA players. Cause as I always like to say in the NBA, there's three forms of currency. There's actual money. Lakers can't really offer much of that to many guys. Then there is playing time. Well, they can certainly offer that because they've got to fill, well, what would we just say? They only got three guys on the roster right now. So at least, you know, 10, 12 spots and then um, chance at winning. And when you got LeBron and AD and, you know, star X, you're going to win a whole, whole bunch of games. So I think this is, is a, you know, somewhere where the Lakers can pull this off more easily than they could at any other time, you know, facing a similar type uh, roster building situation. Definitely. So t- t- I, I'm going to be that guy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you have any faith in that Lakers front office that they can build the correct roster around LeBron, Anthony Davis, and if they land star three, whoever star three is, how much faith do you have that they can actually not just sign, get guys to sign their name on a piece of paper and, and come play basketball, but the correct fit of guys? Because 
we saw what they did last summer after LeBron came. And quite frankly, that was just a shit show. You know, they, they threw guys, probably the most questionable character guys they could find in the league that had no fit with, with the rest of their roster. So do you think they're more equipped to do that this summer or do you, do you still have question marks about that? Yeah, I have question marks, but what I want to say is I want to see what Rob Palenka can do when it's really him calling the shots versus being influenced by Magic Johnson. And, and we're going to find out, right? We're going to find out how much, how much was last year's mess, Rob Palenka's, and how much was Magic's influence. I mean, it, it was, we all knew when we started seeing Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, like, it's like, where is the shooting? Like we all know LeBron needs shooting around him, you know, otherwise he's going to, he's going to drive to the basket, you know, 10 times a game, kick out to Rondo and Stevenson. We're going to clink jumpers. And then it's going to be like, well, now I'm not going to kick it out anymore. And then it turned into, I'm not even going to drive anymore. And that just became a big mess. So I think I want to find out this year, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and assume that they earned a whole bunch of, uh, you know, learned a whole bunch of lessons and that they're, you know, going to be smarter about the way they put this team together this year. And, and one thing I do, want to give him credit for last year was at least they stuck to one-year deals that was the right right move you know that made all this summer's maneuvering possible so what i would like to see them do is if they can't land that third star this year again try to stick to short-term contracts with these guys because now you know you have lebron and ad for at least the next couple of years you know if not probably even longer so what you're gonna do is there is you know just roll it over, you know, but get the right guys this time. Get the, you know, go, go get yourself the Wayne Ellingtons who can actually knock down jump shots instead of the Lance Stevensons. And that, that actually, that was my, my next question for you, Keith. So presumably the majority of these contracts, they're going to, they have guys on this upcoming season, maybe a lot of one year deals. So obviously the Lakers are in on win now mode. They're going to try to go win a championship this upcoming season. Do you see these next couple of years with a LeBron, Anthony Davis core, whether they add a third star or, you know, sign several, several guys at, you know, mid-sized contracts. Do you see this being not only this summer, but the next couple as well, where they're in a situation where they're completely going to have brand new rosters every season or, or how, how do you see this going forward? No, I think if they get that third star, what they'll try to do is lock a couple of these guys in for at least a couple years. Um, at, you know, cause that's a really one year working with only the room exception and minimums. Those only allow for two year deals. So I think you're going to see that kind of cycle through, but really in a sense, that's not all that different from what we've seen from some of the best teams. Think about those heat teams. It was always Bosch, uh, uh, James and Wade and then the guys are well Mario Chalmers of course was always there because you couldn't get rid of the league's favorite whipping boy but you <laughs> the rest of those guys changed right and Udonis Haslam was there too but at that point he was kind of becoming a backup but everybody else changed around those guys it was kind of a constant rotation even the Warriors the last few years is you know good as their main four guys are those other cast of characters around them has changed to some extent. Iguodala and Livingston have always kind of been there, but they've always kind of floated through a couple other guys, Matt Barnes, David West, uh, DeMarcus Cousins this year. So, so that's what I think you'll see them do. They'll try to get a couple guys on two-year deals because, you know, why not? Let's get a little bit of consistency uh, forward here. But then I think for the most part, you're going to see them cycle through a, a whole bunch of different guys. And that's not the worst thing in the world because as long as you have your main two, three guys, you're probably going to be fine. Now, do you see them 
running Anthony Davis at the center position a lot, or do you see them going after a free agent center that that you know they could sign on a smaller contract, maybe like a Robin Lopez, as you mentioned earlier? What do you see them doing at that center spot? Yeah, I tend to believe they're probably going to put Davis there because I don't think you made this whole hullabaloo of Kyle Kuzma can't be in the deal. We got to keep Kuzma. You got to keep Kuzma. Just say, Kuzma, go to the bench. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Now, maybe what they do is they bring in a, a center uh, who's maybe it is like a Robin Lopez or Dwayne Dedman type. And what they do with those guys is those guys play, you know, 10 minutes each half. And then Kuzma gets all the rest and Davis slides over to the five at that point. So I could definitely see that uh, be, being the way it goes. But I think the goal here is going to be to to start Davis at the five, Kuzma at the four, James at the three, and really focus on building up the backcourt. The nice thing is when you have LeBron, because he really can offensively can play just about anything, you can go a lot of different directions with the other positions. And I think that's really important to note because what that allows you to do is, hey, we can play LeBron as a primary ball handler. You could go get a a Patrick Beverly kind of guy to be your point guard with the idea of, you know, Beverly's a you know, bulldog of a defender. He is a, you know, really has become a pretty good shooter. So what you do at that point is you, you put him out there and and off you go. Do you think there's a chance that they could sign Kawhi or what do you see him doing? Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's so weird with Kawhi because he's such a different dude and you don't get a great read off him off of anything. I continue to believe it's going to be Toronto or the Clippers for Kawhi. I just think that that makes more sense. I'm not sure he wants to go to, to the Lakers and be, you know, the third guy. But who knows? Maybe Kawhi looks in and says, hey, I, I had my fun. I carried a team to a title. Now, you know, I can go be, you know, number three here. And, you know, as LeBron ages out, maybe I'll move up to, to number one or number two or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it, it's just so hard. It's but I always say, you know, Kawhi is a different, different, different kind of guy to to predict what he's going to do, because this is a guy who, despite the fact that there were issues around his, um, the other way his injury was handled, he asked out of the Spurs and that's the NBA's preeminent winning machine. So when you ask out of San Antonio, you know, you're wired a little bit differently. Yeah. The Kawhi stuff is interesting. I think it's been reported today that he is going to sit down with the Lakers, um, but he's giving Toronto the the final pitch before he makes his decision. I think Woj reported that today. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Kawhi stuff is fascinating. Uh, Keith, let's stay in the Western Conference, uh, but switch gears here a little bit to a team that is always big game hunting in free agency, uh, regardless if they have cap space or not. Um, <laughs> the note I have here, uh, and you can just run with this, is what in the hell is Houston doing? <laughs> Man, I don't know. It, it's uh, it, it, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they're going to do it. And to be quite frankly, I don't know who they're going to do it with. So that is, you know, there, there it is, right? This is uh, we we covered uh, th- three of the fundamentals to telling a story, uh, with who who uh, what and and how. So it, it it's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I it, what's confusing to me is. It's I don't have any problem with go get that third guy again. It goes same thing as the Lakers and you know, the Celtics to some extent, same way. All these teams you can build out a good roster using you know exceptions this year for more so than you can any other season. But what I what I look at with Houston is if you're gonna go get Jimmy Butler, you better be 
damn sure that bringing in his his uh, uh, cantankerous attitude, let me put it that way, is going to fit because you already have a cranky dude on the team in Chris Paul. And that's even before you – he's just cranky. He wakes up on a sunny day and is mad about it. So I think, you know, you, you got to be careful with him. And then James Harden, you know, we'll see that – that it, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of their problems with each other. I think there is definitely there. I don't think, I think we all know there are some, some issues there. And now you're going to add Butler to that mix. I, I jokingly said, they will be the first team where Adam Silver has to, has to suspend teammates for fighting each other on the court on the Christmas day game, because you know, that, that could happen. You know, these guys are all just so, you know, explosive. So we'll see, you know, where that all goes and then how they get there, how they're going to pull this off. This is going to have to be a Daryl Morey, you know, salary cap class of finding a three-team trade that works to send out Capella Gordon, maybe Tucker, however, you know, get however he gets there to match all those salaries up because it's going to take some work for him to do that. It's it's crazy. Um yeah, I just I find it incredibly fascinating uh that that they're even going to try to do this. Like you said, the the implications of a three-team trade or sending some players to Philly, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is, is, is just wild. Um, in your opinion, with the West, you know, the, the, the narrative right now is that the West is wide open because there's not going to be a KD and there's not going to be a Clay Thompson, uh, at least for next season in the Western Conference. Golden State will probably not win a title next year. So all the other teams have a chance to make a run for it. Uh, just, just in your personal opinion, would Houston be better off going and snagging Jimmy Butler and, and kind of depleting that that depth with a PJ Tucker with an uh, an Eric Gordon, or do you think they might just be better off running it back? Yeah, there, there's something we said for running it back, and I, I I forget. I apologize who had the who had the quote um, the other day of the, the, one of their anonymous rockets players saying, you know, we, we shouldn't panic. We we're fine. You know, we'll get this stuff figured out and let's just run this thing back. And that's, there's definitely something to be said for that because let's, let's, you know, we, we own it, right? It was a rough end to the season and they, they weren't happy with the way that went down against the Warriors. And it was obviously a problem for them that a lot of people were like, they lost Kitty. You should have been able to you know, beat them and they, they couldn't do it. But, they were close, you know, again, they were two years ago, they were a bad shooting night away from the finals or a Chris Paul injury away from the finals, however you prefer to look at it. And then when I, I just, I see it and I just, I look at it overall and I'm like, these guys are so close. And this year, like you said, there's not a warrior. So you know, why not just run it back and see what you could do, pull it off. But I do wonder if part of the desire to go get a Jimmy Butler is if we needed need to trade Chris Paul in season, and do that, then we still have Butler and Harden, and we feel like that's a pretty good pairing to build around. So I wonder if there's part of that is factoring in as well. So assume, assuming that the Houston does run it back, um, what do you see in the future for the 76ers with, with all these guys they have hitting free agency? Um, you know, with Reddick, Butler, and Harris, who do you see coming back? Who do you see leaving? What you, What's their situation looking like? I'm sorry. Who was that? I missed it. I apologize. The 76ers. Oh, the 76ers. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. I, you know, I really don't know if they lose Butler, it starts to get 
kind of messy there because then if you're Tobias Harris, are you, you can see what you see it from both sides. Are you more likely to sign up because you feel like, Hey, now I'm number three versus maybe being number four, probably being number four, or are you more likely to say, yeah, we're probably going to take a step back. I want to go somewhere else. Um, and Tobias Harris is a guy who has a lot of interest around the league. There's a ton of teams who like him and think he can really be a difference maker. So that, that becomes a, you know, interesting uh, dilemma there. Even then does it spill over to a guy like JJ Reddick, who's also a free agent. Does JJ Reddick look at and say there, or, or do they say Harrison Reddick get back here and we're going to go get a uh, you know next next big guy on the list or they they going after things one of the the cool things i talked about this a little bit with lebron but when you have ben simmons and his kind of unique skill set you can really slot in all sorts of different players around him cuz he's essentially a 6 foot 10 point guard for you so that that gives you offensively the ability to go do a bunch of different things i think philly because of what really kind of came back to bite them a little last year, just not having enough depth after making those two trades, they're probably more likely to try and re-up with Harris, see what they can do with Reddick, and then maybe still carve out a sliver of cap space to then go in and start, you know, really fleshing out the rest of their roster versus the Lakers, who I think, you know, they they feel pretty good about. They, if you're, you know, still standing, we have playing time and it's it's Los Angeles. Nothing against Philly, but LA, Los Angeles, LA, yeah, it's LA. You know, so that's uh that's the challenge for Philly. So yeah, really really interesting offseason there. I think, you know, they're kind of being um a little under uh undercovered, maybe is the way, because we're also focused on the Lakers and we hear all this Boston stuff and this Houston stuff. But Philly was right there. They were Kawhi's shot bounce what four times on the rim for maybe they're the ones in the NBA finals. So that's you know, something yeah. that we we want to be, you know, cautious of. There is, you know, it's hard to walk away from that, especially when you think back to a couple years back where they were coming from. So another question on Philly real quick, because recently I listened to a podcast with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst, and they talked a lot about like the timing of things. And I, I find that fascinating. So you, you would assume that Philly's best chance at, at just keeping Jimmy Butler around is at... 6.01 p.m. I Well, yeah, 6.01 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to take Sunday, some getting used to You right? drop, <laughs> yeah, you drop that, that five-year max on Jimmy Butler and you say, here it is, let's go. And if Butler says, oh, I, I think I still want to talk to some other teams and do this and do that. If, if you're Philly, do you sit around and just wait out the Jimmy Butler stuff? Do you start to look at, at, other places. Um, I, I think the timing of that is, is interesting. So if Jim, if, if they, if it gets reported that they offer Jimmy that five-year max and he doesn't initially accept and goes to have meetings with other teams, do you think Philly just sits on their hands and waits or, or are they going to start looking at option B and C and D? No, that's a great question. I think you have to wait because there, unless you get the sense like you're now in the mix for a Kemba Walker, or, you know somebody like that who's you know another Max guy, or or you know Harris gives you the indication of all right, hey, I don't need the full thirty two million, give me twenty five, and Reddick says you know I'll come back at ten or whatever, and you can carve out other space and really start to build all your roster. Then I think you can do that, but for the most part, I think you got to wait on Jimmy Butler because you're not going to be able to replace him with a um, similar level of talent most likely. And then what that does is um, that that allows you to really kind of survey the market a little bit here, see what else is going on. This is a nice thing about the way the NBA free agency works is 
a lot of this stuff can be agreed to. We don't always see the whole DeAndre Jordan shenanigans of I'm going to Dallas. No, you're not. We're going to barricade you in your house. You're staying with the Clippers, um, you know, stuff. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was probably NBA Twitter's, you know, single greatest day. Um, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That I think it's between that. Sorry, yeah. not to get off track, but I think between that and the, um, the whole secret yeah, tunnel in the Clippers locker room <laughs> stuff. Those are two good Twitter The only thing I would say nights, with the man. secret tunnels that happened at about two in the morning East Coast time, so I think that that uh, took a little oh, bit yeah. of shine off it. But yeah, that was a lot of fun too. It's funny as an as an aside to our side here. A bunch of people are like, "What about Rajon Rondo for the Rockets?" I've heard that a couple times. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Like him and Chris Paul. Well, I mean, if you're really trying to turn it into a you know MMA fight in the locker room, sure. If that's the goal. that that oh would my be god, insane. can you imagine? Can you imagine Daryl Morey saying, "Hey Rondo, you want to come back up, Chris Paul?" Like I, Rondo would. He, he wouldn't be able to play next year because he'd still be laughing all season long. That's how, how long. Yeah, I mean, and if that did happen, I I don't think NBA teams have like a, a team psychiatrist <laughs> yeah. on on staff. But, you need to hire one but Houston yeah, might be the first. You have to hire him as a head coach, I think, just to make sure things are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to go, but man, we went on a tangent there. To to go um to go back to it is um yeah, I, I it's. It's I don't don't you know I think think what you're looking at with Jimmy Butler too. One other thing that I want to say with him is I don't if you're Philly come with your best offer right out of the gate is almost a, here's the best we can do not a take it or leave it but but this is it because what I don't want to risk if I'm Philly is coming with a yeah we don't want to go all the way to the you know full max deal for you can you take you know maybe instead of thirty two can you take 30 or can you take 28 because i think butler is likely to be like that's it you don't respect me get angry and just go sign somewhere else out of spite like he's just one of those guys he's just such a different dude with the way he you know builds these things up and he's such it's also with jimmy butler he's such a self-made guy who created all this doubt in him and you know came from nothing and those kind of things that i think he's he carries such a big chip on his shoulder that you, if you don't do it right, it, it's going to be a problem for you. So I, I would call him tape for it's, it's almost like when you're buying a house, right? And they say, you know, uh, you know, for uh, best offers or whatever they say, this is it best last. Um, you better come with your first best right out of the gate because otherwise it could be a problem. Yeah. I'm Jimmy Butler seems like that kind of guy. So it's uh, I'm totally with you. Um, all right, well, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up so we can let you get out of here, Keith. Uh, but we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, again, if you guys don't follow Keith on Twitter, he is at KeithSmithMBA. Uh, tons and tons and tons of great information. I, I got it right at the beginning, Keith. You do have a, a it's a Google sheet of the salary breakdown for different teams. Yeah, you That's do. Correct, yeah, right? I have, um, you, or you got that right. I, I have that. You got it right. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's been a long day, man. Um, <laughs> It is. Um, it's always the tweet that's pinned to the top of my timeline. You can find the uh, information there if you click on that. There's I, don't, I haven't counted them lately, but there's a million tabs in there that's got all kinds of stuff. It's the first tab's a cap space summary sheet that tells you max space, how far they are under the tax line, tax apron, all that sort of stuff. Um, right now, if I'm working on hopefully tomorrow, get an update up there with all the summer league rosters depth charts and then full 30 team salary sheets. So you can dive into that, see who's on the books for what I try to update it very frequently throughout 
free agency is so keep it up to date, but there's all sorts of information there. So I, you know, I encourage anybody to check it out. Hopefully you'll find some, something like there. One thing people miss all the time too, um, it, which, you know, I'm going to to my own horn here. Cause I think it's a little fun. If, yeah, if, go if for you it, hover man. over a player's name, it gives you a whole bunch of information about the player. So their position, height, uh, college or country, Jersey number, years of experience, date of birth, and how they were acquired by that team. So if you, you know, have a chance to, to, to poke around in there, have some fun in there. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, or, you know, likes, dislikes about it, you know, let me know. Cause this is, you know, this, this thing is, uh, it's, it's become a labor, labor of love, but it is something I truly love. Awesome. You can also find all of Keith's stuff at real GM, uh, Celtics blog, Yahoo sports. He's written a ton of stuff, uh, just since the finals have ended. I think this is probably your more busy season than, than actual basketball, probably with, with the draft and free agency and, all the changing cap stuff. I yeah, the, the the draft, the trade deadline, and and right now though, those are that's my time to shine. This is uh, like I said at the beginning of the show. This is like Christmas for me, so I'm super super duper excited. It's uh, you know one nice thing too about that six o'clock uh, deadline on the thirtieth means I when I'm up at like five in the morning because I'm so excited. I don't have to wait all the way to midnight. I only get to wait till six now, so that'll be be fun too. But yeah, I love this time time of year. And as you guys as you guys know from following me on Twitter, I like to be active on there. I like to try to. Add educate a lot of people helped me learn things so i try to pay that forward there and um you know i try, try not to get too snarky even if i did a little bit today um you know but occasionally it comes out <laughs> yeah hey some sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do man well keith thank you again so much for coming on uh we really appreciate you again if you don't already go follow keith at keith smith nba on twitter check out all of his stuff he is a great follow for nba fans at this time of year so keith we absolutely appreciate you. guys i appreciate it thanks for having me all right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, as well as a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have already tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and you'll get a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. Same thing is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, 
They can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get it checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, so now we're going to transition to a more Thunder-centered free agency talk. And to do that, we have the editor-in-chief of Welcome to Loud City, uh, he's a contributor to the Franchise Sports Radio in Oklahoma, a member of the OKC Dream Team podcast, and probably has more cap space knowledge than the entire Lakers organization. Uh, we want to <laughs> welcome back John Ham. Hey, I, I did not follow up with a subsequent you know, amendment to the trade to get rid of three guys. So maybe we need to give uh, Rob Lowe and company a little bit more credit. <laughs> it's creepy how much he looks like Rob Lowe. Like it freaks Literally me out sometimes. The spitting image. Literally. Yeah, like loved him in the West Wing. <laughs> it is <laughs> insane. Um, John, how are you doing? Doing great, man. How are how's everyone on this uh, this fine Thursday evening? Splendid. Great. Splendid. Well, I like splendid. <laughs> we are uh, we're getting by, you know. Um, so we we just chatted with Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports about some some NBA wide free agency topics. So we wanted to get you in here to talk about some Thunder stuff. And so, John... They're going to sign Frank Kaminsky. Okay, that that's who they're going to sign. There's your answer. Podcast okay. over. We're I'm done saying, here. Makes, makes a little bit of sense. Um, <laughs> so, John, I know you've probably said this like 10 billion times on podcasts and radio and in articles. Uh, so don't hate me, but I'm going to ask you to rehash uh, for our listeners, can you just kind of run down what tools uh, the Thunder have financially to work with this summer? Yeah, and I always sort of, I have to qualify this when I talk about it. This is not an unwillingness to spend necessarily. It's a limitation in what they can spend. So uh, where Oklahoma City is at in terms of their team's salary, they are going to have, the, the only tool they have as of this moment is what's called the taxpayer uh, mid-level exception, which will be worth about $5.7 million. Um, now, if uh, other teams around the league that are not encroaching on, on luxury tax territory can actually take advantage of a, um, a more powerful version of that called the non-taxpayer, but OKC at the moment is looking at the taxpayer mid-level, uh, again, $5.7 million. They do have a, a, a trade exception, uh, from the Carmelo Anthony trade last year, worth approximately ten point eight million, and that's simply a tool to, you know, for example, slide in a guy making I don't know nine million dollars and not have to send out matching salary in return. I guess that's the the easiest way to explain it. Um, those are the two big tools. Obviously, those come with massive added cost. Um, or potential added costs, I should say, in terms of luxury tax. Uh, other than that, they've always got the good old veteran minimums uh, exception to use, and that's the tool that has brought us the likes of you know Raymond Felton uh, of the past few years, or the prorated uh, version of that, which brought in Markeith Morris last season. Awesome. So, so two questions on that, real quick. Uh, the first more of a technical question. The second more of an opinion question. Uh, the first one. 
their taxpayer mid-level. Um, they don't have to spend all of that at once. You can split that up amongst multiple people. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's what they did last season. As a matter of fact, you it's not just a tool to sign free agents. In fact, last season, they took a small part of that to sign Hamadou Diallo. And the reason they did that is in order to sign him for three years. So that's what the taxpayer mid-level exception allowed them to do. So they tapped into that to sign Diallo. Then later in the season, they used it to sign Deontay Burton to a three-year deal, although there's a lot of non-protected salary and, you know, it's it's sort of team-friendly in that regard. Uh, but you can bust it up to spend it on multiple guys if, if that path works better for a team. Awesome. The So the second question, the more opinion-based question is, so you've laid out these tools that they have, the taxpayer MLE, the trade exception, um, obviously veteran minimums. Um, what tools do you think they will elect to use and not use because of their their massive tax burden that they're facing? $4.50 for every dollar over the tax they spend? Is Does that sound right? The, the bracket they are currently in, yeah, is four twenty five for every dollar. Um, and, and that's that's fluid. So and that's also very fluid up until, you know, frankly, the end of the regular season, although the trade deadline is much more realistic in terms of if you're going to you know try to offload salary, the trade deadline and next February is the time to do that. But I mean, where they stand at this moment. Yeah, every dollar they spend is four twenty-five for every dollar. The next bracket um, would be four seventy-five for every dollar. So that's where, you know, when you talk about using these tools, that gets really expensive. So if OKC is going to tap into either of those, it seems like they're going to have to offload a, a contract or two to actually free up that spending and reallocate it somewhere else if they even choose to do that. So now I think the question that's on everyone's minds, we know the Thunder need shooting and they need wing depth. Who do you think are realistic free agent targets that you could see Oklahoma City going after? That gets really tough, especially when we're talking about veteran minimum guys. And and that's just where the league has sort of tilted over the past few years. I mean, you go back, you know, the, the joke I make is 10 years ago, you could go get a Keith Bogans or a Greg Buckner, like off the scrap <laughs> heap, you know, just to go fill in some wing minutes, but it's totally shifted now. Um, and so can they go out and find someone in free agency? I mean, there are some guys. I mean, there is, you know, Thunder Killer Amon Shumpert, who is a free agent that, you know, maybe he's going to be available for the minimum when all, when, when the dust settles. Um, you know, d- does that really move the needle a whole lot? Eh, I'm I'm kind of iffy on that. Dante Cunningham, who who shot the ball really well for San Antonio last season, you know that's a potential option. But same question: Does that guy actually move the needle? Um, you know, I, I think uh, when you're talking about the minimum salary guys, you know, you're talking about the guys that have an expectation to maybe get that taxpayer mid level from another team, and when they don't, then they start looking for fit and opportunity. And that's when they start looking at minimum salaries, and maybe that's when OKC comes in. But boy, I mean, by, by the time stuff filters down to that, there's not a lot to pick from. I think the challenge for the Thunder, too, is going to be there's so much money on the table this summer, kind of like what everybody's talked about happened back in 2016. You're going to have guys who get overpaid, and for a team that can't afford to overpay, what's left behind is going to be pretty tough to pick from. 
Yeah, I mean, a morbid curiosity of mine is who is going to sign the worst contract this summer. <laughs> because, because like half of the league is free agents and th- there is more money available now than there has been, I think, since 2016, I think is what Kevin O'Connor wrote. Yeah. Um, so someone is going to go on a stupid bender and they are going to throw ridiculous amounts of money at, I don't know, Stanley Johnson uh, or, or someone like that. And, we're, and like at that moment, we're going to go, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And then like three years later, we're going to go, my God, what were you thinking? Um, <laughs> so like, like I, I'm just, I'm anxious. I'm on pins and needles to see who that first contract's going to be. That's how I feel whenever I look back at the Alan Crabb deal that Portland signed. <laughs> and that was the Nets that actually signed that oh, offer. Sheet. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, And Portland, I mean, Portland is in a position like, well, can't really afford to lose the guy, but really don't want to pay him that much. And so they really had no choice but to bring him back. And then they traded him to Brooklyn a year later. It's wild. Yeah, it really is. So you you wrote a great article in regards to Stephen Adams and kind of the traction that he picked up this summer. You know, a lot of our list listeners have probably read that article, but you, will you kind of dive into your take on that whole situation? Yeah, and, and look, this is me sort of um, reading the tea leaves or – I don't know, sort of reading the cap situation. Um, I, I've written a couple of times because there have been reports out of Boston and Sacramento that maybe there's something percolating between those two teams. And the first thing that I thought of is, well, Sam Presti's probably trying to leverage these teams against each other uh, to see if, if he can get uh, you know the best deal he possibly can. Um, and, and if you focus in on the Celtics, you know, that's when I started looking at that. There was a tweet from uh, someone from Celtics Hub, who is a sister site of Welcome to Loud City, that said Kimba Walker. I don't want to say like you know Stephen Adams was like the bait to bring him in, but if the Celtics had Stephen Adams, that would be enticing to him. So then I start to look at okay, well, how could that actually happen? Uh, because I had thrown out the idea that I don't know, maybe you trade Stephen Adams for a Marcus Smart or a Jalen Brown. But the problem is then that would soak up all the cap room needed to sign Kimba Walker. What the Celtics could do instead is fall below the cap by, you know, 32, 34 million dollars, sign Kimba Walker and, you know, spend all of its cap space however it needs to. And then they can go back over the salary cap by making a trade. And that's what I sort of wrote about is that if if the, if the, if it happens that way, then the most likely scenario involves Gordon Hayward. And you could throw in a piece or two from Boston's side. Maybe you can engineer the deal to where Andre Robertson and Patrick Patterson is packaged in that deal. And if you look at the total salary spent or what's owed to Adams and what's you know owed to Robertson and Patterson and Hayward, it balances out on either side. So like it was a thought just sort of piecing it together. And, and and I caution because I have thought of this probably means Danny Ainge and Sam Presti have both had this conversation and who knows, maybe they moved on from it, but sort of piecing together from a salary cap standpoint, you know, that's what I was sort of, uh, sort of putting together there. So speaking of Steven Adams, if we were to offload someone like that, not only do we have a void at the starting center spot, but also at the backup center spot, as expected, you know, Nerland's Noel opted out of that final year of his minimum contract. 
what would our, you know, point of attack be going forward? If we were to trade Adams, you know, obviously we'd have no true centers on the roster. What kind of guys do you see fitting, you know, kind of the Billy Donovan mold of, you know, going forward on this roster? Short answer, Joakim Noah. Longer answer, (laughs) uh, you know, look, just looking at the market this summer, uh, there's sort of one of the first questions you said is, who could OKC find at the veteran minimum that can shoot? Well, it's hard to find, but it's a lot easier to find, you know, 20 to 25 minute centers that might take the minimum salary. So if you look at, again, I, I mentioned Noah somewhat half jokingly, but he actually had a pretty good season for Memphis. I think his his per 36 and his per 100 possession numbers might have been some of the best of his career, as a matter of fact. So, you know, obviously a guy like Robin Lopez comes up a lot as well. Um, that could potentially come in and, and, and fill that spot. And, and, and this sort of ties into the, uh, I, I guess, the Adams question. If they were to trade Adams for another perimeter guy that can shoot and play make a little bit, which is what this team is lacking, can they make up some of that in the free agent market by finding a big man? I, I, I think they could. I think they could find one or two guys, possibly even bringing back Nerland's Noel. Uh, to fill that spot and and fill a lot of that role. And, you know, the team is obviously going to be losing some stuff in that process, but you have to look at it. Do they come out ahead in what they gain? So, you know, it's uh, like I say, it's sort of a delicate balance. Believe me, I've, I've had so many people stop me and say, are they trading Steven Adams? What have you heard about Steven Adams? Any Steven Adams rumors? Are they moving Steven Adams? I, I, I don't know, maybe, possibly, but I kind of understand where they may be coming from if they actually are. It's interesting. I think it's one of those things that everybody would be, just from like an emotional fan attachment standpoint, everybody would be disappointed to see Steven Adams move on. But from a uh, obviously a, a cap standpoint, he's the most interesting piece that the Thunder have to move. But I also think from a basketball standpoint, there's an interesting angle there as well when you think about the modern NBA and the the big that can really stretch the floor and shoot threes. What do you think is this team looks like if they can get a player that can can fill that role and shoot threes, whether or not, like Sam Presti alluded to, maybe that person is Steven Adams at some point, or maybe it's a, a different big that can shoot the three ball and kind of open up the floor. What kind of dynamic do you think that brings to this OKC team? Yeah, and again, we all get sort of caught up and excited about the possibility of change and, and and sort of, you know, dream what it would be like if Steven Adams wasn't there and Gordon Hayward was there. Well, I mean, there there is the possibility of them coming to camp with largely this same team and trying to make the pieces work, which it did work for a good stretch of the of the season last year. Uh does that include Steven Adams shooting threes? I think at some point he's probably going to have to step back and and start shooting those. Uh, My question is, when are defenses going to start respecting him behind the three-point line? It's not going to be like, you know, after two games, like, oh, my gosh, he's hit two of six. got to keep an eye on this guy. Like, you know, how long does that take to build? Um, But I, I think it comes down to creating driving lanes for Russ and Paul George to do drive and kicks and create open shots in the corners because Terrence Ferguson has shown the promise of being an excellent corner shooter. Uh, same with Jeremy Grant and, you know, having a big man to sort of help with that spacing. I, I think that's sort of the, the idea, sort of the dream there 
Um, but, you know, that could be Steven. But again, my question is, does it take half a year for scouting port, uh, scouting reports to actually say, watch out for this guy? Does it take the entire season? That That's what I'm a little unsure of. Well, and two, it's, it's you know, I, I'm just not confident that he can really truly add that dimension to his game. There's, and I don't really have anything concrete to base that off of, but you look at certain guys that add that, that facet to their game and it makes total sense. But I think what I get nervous about is you look at his free throw shooting. I feel like he typically starts the season shooting well from the stripe, but oftentimes that number goes down over the course of the season. And I think a lot of the, the bigs that you see add the, the deep three point ability to their game. Oftentimes they're pretty consistent from the free throw line. And I just don't know that, that Adams has that in his repertoire. Yeah, he may not. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this too, because, you know, one of the criticisms I've heard is that, you know, like Sam Presti and the organization is, is, is behind the times and, you know, they're, they're hanging, you know, they, they don't, they don't innovate. I mean, I caution that like Serge Ibaka started shooting threes and people wondering, what is he doing? Why right. is he doing that? Why is he outside the lane? He's a shot blocker. Exactly. And not only him, but Nick Collison, go back to that 14, 15 season, Nick Collison stepped out and attempted 63 point shots that season. So like, I think this team understands the value of that shot and the value of that stretchability from that position. But I bring this up to illustrate your point. You know, Nick Collison stepped out suddenly to shoot three pointers, but he was 16 of 60 that season. It, it, it didn't work in his case. It right. did not work in Steven's case, just because there's footage of him going around the three point line in an empty gym and hitting those doesn't translate to like actual game stuff because Andre Drummond tried this last year for, for Detroit and that was the thought is, okay, he's going to expand his game, going to stretch the floor. It didn't work out for him. It may not work for Stevens. So it's not a guarantee. It's obviously something I think that ability would help this team, but there's really no guarantee that Steven is the one that's, that could fill that for him. And, and on that point, John, you, you make a great point. You see guys you know, on Twitter all the time. People are posting videos in practice and whatnot. You see guys that are making all of these insane shots and making you know 10 three-pointers in a row but that doesn't doesn't necessarily translate into the game you know prime example is Carmelo Anthony you always see his <laughs> workout his, his workout videos all summer long and he looks like he's an all-star again and then when he gets on the court you know that's that's not the case it's the same thing with Andre Robertson there's been plenty of film of him just nailing oh, like man. nine out of ten from the free throw line in practice but I mean there's just something different about a game situation whether it's you know, 20,000 immediate eyeballs on you, whether it's a million eyeballs on you, um, you know, whether it's fatigue throughout the course of a game, uh, whatever the case may be. Yeah, we, we do kind of get fooled by that. And, and, and you know, I, I know a lot of the people that cover, cover the team will show this video, uh, you know, because they're reporting it like this is actually happening and this is interesting and other people might might find this interesting as well. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily like take that and say, oh, because I saw that in this case, it's going to translate to this game situation because that's far from a given. So I have a, a speculative question for you. Who would you be most surprised to see on the Thunder roster next season? 
Who would I be most surprised? Let's see. Let's go down the list. I, I'm fairly certain Paul George is going to be there. Um, that feels like a safe bet. Pretty safe bet. Uh, and notice I listed him first and not Russ. And I mean, because to me, that that is that should be sort of the pecking order going forward. Yeah. I don't think they're trading Russell Westbrook, but I would be more stunned if they traded Paul George than if they traded Russ. And I don't think they're trading either guy. But, you know, still, um, you have those you guys. You know, someone's, someone's going to misquote that and run with it. I can't we're wait. We're going to have John Hamm says the Thunder <laughs> like Paul George more than Russell Westbrook. What one of my uh, one of my dreams in life is to be aggregated like Windhorst yes. or Royce or someone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like like look, those guys. Uh, it, it would take something extraordinary for those guys not to be there. Uh, so then you trickle on down. Uh, who, who would I be surprised? I, I don't know if I had to go down the line and start thinking about it. Maybe it's Andre Robertson, and I don't mean look. It's it's incredible that it's, a, I don't know. I, I, I hate having to come to that point, but I think it's just a numbers game. The guy hasn't played in a year and a half. We really don't know, you know, what condition he's going to be in when he finally is able to play again. And in the meantime, if OKC has found another guy in Terrence Ferguson, um, you know, obviously they like Hamadou Diallo. They're intrigued by Deontay Burton. Um, you know, if they do make another move to shore up the perimeter, Maybe it means Robertson is going to be the odd man out. So I, I guess if you go down the list, it would probably be him uh, because I could still foresee a scenario, even with a boatload of change, where Dennis Schroeder is back, where Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant is back. I, I, I don't think those are too wild to think about. Um, but yeah, if we get to October, or I'm sorry, I guess it'd be mid September, and Andre Robertson's still on the team, I think at this point I'd be a little surprised. I think the Robertson thing is interesting to me because as much as the Thunder organization probably doesn't quite know what they have in Robertson, you have to think, you know, the other teams in the league also have just as big of a question mark about Andre Robertson. So it makes me wonder when when does it make the most sense if the Thunder are thinking about moving Robertson? Is it before the season starts just to kind of take his value where it's at currently and hope that people make an assumption or is it to let him get back on the court to show everybody what he can do and kind of allow that to determine his value on the market. It's an interesting question because depending on, on how his rehab goes, it could really affect his trade value one way or another. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it could be that, I mean, he becomes just, just a financial matter where for sure there's another team that is under the salary floor and OKC can can engineer a trade where they don't have to give up much to move his contract. Um, maybe there's another team out there that says, we just want to see if he can help us. Maybe that team is out there, but you know, it, it, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing right now. I hope it's not the case. I really hope Andre Robertson, whether it's Oklahoma city or elsewhere is able to come back near the level where he was and show the kind of impact defensive player that he was. But historically, guys that have been, you know, sidelined for this long with, with a contract like this, it's not unusual to see them get offloaded somewhere else. And again, just sort of a financial transaction that, you know, just just sort of moves the guy along. So kind of to piggyback on that, you know, this is all obviously totally speculative if the Thunder were to make, you know, a large salary cap saving move, 
you know, between Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, and Andre Robertson, who do you see most likely to be moved? I mean, it, literally, it, it could be a combination of the three. Um, you know, sort of going back earlier, just just that sort of hypothetical trade where you know they move Steven Adams, they could potentially package Robertson as part of that trade to send him to Boston. Um, Dennis Schroeder. We'll see what happens around the league. I mean, it's quite possible that a starting point guard spot is going to open up in Charlotte. And if it does, you know, maybe they can move him and save money in the process and fill uh, another position of need. Uh, I have spent way more time than I probably should looking at Cody Zeller stats this evening. <laughs> so just to kind of show you where I'm at. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see, look, when you bring up those three guys, if you talk about, OKC wanting to both improve the team or at least modify it in some way and save money. Those three guys are are, are the prime candidates to make that happen. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, you know, when all is said and done come the end of July, those three guys are used in order to help facilitate those things I just mentioned. For sure. And and kind of on another note, it, it, it seems like Presti is going to kind of rely on a little bit of internal growth for this team to be successful next year. So among guys like Diallo or even, you know, Grant and Ferguson, who've already made some big jumps and Deontay Burton, which of those guys do you see making the biggest jump from last season to next season, as far as their production and and the development of their game? Yeah. My initial hunch is Ferguson and maybe it's just, uh, just his age and, and, and look, I don't know if he's going to be able to put the ball on the floor and create and finish at the rim, which he was not able to finish at the rim like at all last season. Um, I don't know if it's going to that extent, but I do think he has the ability to you know, be able to stay on the floor longer if he can learn how to defend better without fouling. That will keep him on the floor more. That will make him a more viable weapon in the corners. And, you know, at, at points during the season, Russ and company didn't find him enough, but there was a stretch where like, man, you've got to find this guy in the corners. He's automatic. And I feel like that is sort of the value he can bring to the team. And Grant is probably right behind that because I I still remember going to that, uh, you know, blue and white scrimmage last year. And I was sort of like, Mm. man, Grant is like out there trying to take over almost. He was sort of playing with the second unit. He was ball handling a lot. He was creating a lot. And it, it seemed like unnatural for him, but as it turned out, like he's actually capable of some of this stuff. He may still have a little bit of room to grow too and, and can do a little bit more. But like I say, it's Ferguson. If if nothing else, if he can defend without fouling, I think that could like increase his his value to the team. And again, being a corner three point threat, which is what this team really needs. No, I, I totally agree. And you make a great point. We've seen flashes of Ferguson showing that he can be at some point in his career an elite defender. And it just comes down to, can he do it without fouling? And that, that's a problem a lot of young guys have. You know, that doesn't doesn't worry me too much. But if, if he can get that down and really defend guys without fouling, he, he could be one of the better defenders on the team. Yeah, and, and I kind of think that is the, um, you know, th- that is sort of the path envisioned for him. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's ever going to reach the levels of Andre Robertson on the defensive end. Um, but I mean, I, 
you know, he looked last season, he showed tremendous, uh, tremendous strides in that area, uh, being able to move his feet, being able to beat his man to the spot, keep in front of his guy. Um, there are very few, you know, look, there's no defender of the league that's going to lock down a James Harden or lock down some of the best players in the league. Um, but, you know, Ferguson caused a lot of disruption on that end. And I think that's another thing. That's another area where he can take another another step, another advancement. We saw it with Stephen Adams, too. Stephen Adams was like the human foul machine for his first uh, you know year, maybe year and a half in the league. And, uh, you know, he, he, he did reach the point to where he, he didn't do that as much and he got more floor time and, and the team has benefited as, as a result. Absolutely. So we're going to jump into the segment of, as we mentioned earlier, a list of 10 guys and kind of rapid fire where we think they're going to sign. First guy on the list, the unpopular Kevin Durant. John, what's your take real quick? on where he's? Um, I've been saying one of the New York teams. I really don't know which one, but but I feel like it's going to be one of the two teams in New York. I'm with you. Uh, If I had to choose, I probably lean Brooklyn. Nice. Okay. So Al Horford. Oh, my, this is a total mystery. And maybe it's team throwing smoke screens like Dallas that says, no, 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 we're, we're not the team offering him. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go ahead and say Dallas because I think that makes the most sense. Um, I, I've heard New Orleans. I've, I've you know, I've, I've tried to talk myself into the Clippers. I'm going to say Dallas. I had Dallas down as well. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in agreement on that. I think he's a guy that being in the locker room with some of these young guys like Porzingis and Luca, he could definitely be beneficial not only on the court but off. Uh, next in the list, Jimmy Butler. I'm going to say Philly. Um, I I feel like a lot of this is Houston trying to generate some uh, some friction, which they know how to do. By the way, they've got that down pat. Um, right. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like they're trying to mess things up a little bit. In the end, I, I, I feel like Philly's going to come with a strong offer and keep them. I can definitely see Philly, but I I kind of lean towards the Clippers. Interesting. Very interesting. So how about his former teammate from last season, Tobias Harris? Tobias Harris. Um Again, I'm kind of I'm coming under the assumption that Jimmy stays in Philly, and if that happens, that might free up Tobias to go somewhere else. And you know, maybe it is a team. I'm going to say the Knicks because I, I don't know. I just keep feeling like the Knicks are going to strike out on all the big names, and I know they say we're not going to spend on a B level free agent. I I don't know. Just something in me says they're going to talk themselves into Tobias Harris. I I think I'd be surprised if. Tobias Harris doesn't get a max somewhere just given all the dynamics that we've talking about. And I could totally see the Knicks being that team. However, I I'm just super fascinated and intrigued by the idea of Tobias Harris joining the squad in new Orleans. That is, that yeah, would be I mean, give him another guy to take some of the offensive burden off of Zion while he figures things out yep. and in the other draft picks they have as well. Um, yeah, that, that one, that one you can certainly make a case for. Yeah. On him, I'm going to go Dallas. I I know there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about it, but you know how the NBA is. You could go one day, not hearing anything about Tobias Harris linked to the Mavericks and we could wake up tomorrow and he could be quote unquote, the front runner. So that's, I, I, I see the, I see the fit 
with Tobias Harris in Dallas. Next on the list, Kimba Walker. Uh, you know, look, I mean, with, with all of the the talk, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski was using kind of the strongest language possible to uh, sort of link him to Boston. I'm going to go ahead and put him in Boston for now. And with the caveat that so much can change in, you know, 12 hours, let alone 36 in the NBA. Uh, but it sure feels like there's a lot of momentum driving him towards Boston right now. Yeah, I think Boston makes a ton of sense. There's just something that gives me like an eerie feeling about the Lakers with this one, though, that LeBron's going to get his guy and he's going to end up in a Lakers uniform. Well, I mean, you you cannot deny that the Lakers came up and modified this trade uh, to offload even more salary to create that max slot and got Anthony Davis to drop his trade kicker, which, you know, it's his money, whatever you want to do, bud. Um but yeah, it's 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 interesting. It feels like they have someone in their crosshairs. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel like that move they made, they they kind of have a feeling that that a guy like that is is a real possibility. Uh next we've got Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic. Uh I'm gonna say back to Orlando. Um there are there are a couple other really? teams I know that could like get desperate with the free agent money and, and splash it out there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say he sticks with the magic. I had the same thing. I think he I think he stays in Orlando. Nice, nice. Okay. Um another center here, Willie Collie Stein. Oh boy. Oh boy, where could he wind up? I you know, the the hardest problem I have is like figuring out what his market value is. Um is he actually a uh, I don't know, 10, 12 million dollar a year guy? I mean, some of the stats may indicate that. Um you know, maybe he's a he's a mid level exception type guy. Um, that one, I don't know. How about New Orleans for him? I like hmm. that fit. Uh, I I have no idea. There's a sick part of me that wants to see him somehow, some way, stay in Sacramento, <laughs> just because of. I don't know. I felt like the bravado with which he announced that he was going to explore free agency was kind of comical to me. But given the the money that's going to be flying around, I I would not be surprised at all to see a team overpay for Willie Cauley Stein. Um, well, that's kind of a cop out answer. But. And, and let me say this too, in regards to uh, you know restricted free agency, as long as it has been around. You have had agents that have tried this sort of this sort of verbal warfare to try to dare the prior team it, it, to, to match the offer. Um, I remember it happened with uh, with Lamar Odom when he signed with the Miami Heat. Right. Um, you know, basically came out and said he doesn't want to play for the Clippers. Don't match. Well, they matched. Um, no, no, they did not. I'm sorry. It was Elton Brand first, and I think his agent tried that trick. They did match the offer for Elton Brand. Did, you know, and then later uh, Lamar Odom, they did not match that offer. Um, you know, that's basically the only tool at their disposal to try to, you know, engage the market a little bit because restricted free agency, you know, every, everyone knows like I could spend a lot of time trying to get this guy and not get him um, because the system is sort of engineered that way. Yeah, he could definitely be a guy that I could see, like you mentioned earlier, three three years down the road. We're thinking, yeah. how the heck? And did he get it would that be a restricted free agent where someone just like dropped a ton of money on him to scare off Sacramento. It could very well be something like that. Yeah. 
So the next guy here I'm very, very interested in. He's very intriguing to me because he's he's been kind of hot and cold in the league at one point in his career. You know, he didn't really have a place and the last couple of seasons he's emerged. Uh, Nikola Mirotic, Mirotic is an interesting guy because it looks like the Bucks, if they're going to retain, uh, in order to retain Brooke Lopez and Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton, would probably have to part with Mirotic. Um Maybe he's a guy that winds up getting that um, either the taxpayer or there's a smaller exception called the room exception. And if a team falls under the salary cap, uh, once they spend their cap room, then they get a smaller exception called the room exception. Maybe it's the Lakers. Maybe it's Boston. Um, I, I wonder if he's going to latch onto one of those teams using using that smaller form once other teams have spent their cap. Hmm. I... I could see Miritich winding up in a place like Portland. I think them they kind of had a, a a spot on their roster that I think he could fill, and especially seeing the move they made, the kind of head scratching move they made with Evan Turner the other day, it made me wonder if they were potentially going to be looking at to bring somebody new into the into the wing spot. It could be, but I I think I think Miritich would be an interesting fit on that team and and bring a a nice shooter to really kind of balance out Dame and CJ. That's interesting. I mean, look, Alfaro Camino is a free agent. So uh, there's a spot for him there if that's where he wants to go. And, and like you say, I think there is some basketball sense there. If he, if, if that did happen. I, I love that fit. I, th- I think you're exactly right. Um, here's a guy that could also be overpaid. Although I don't think he's any reason to not overpay, especially the way he's played the last couple of years and does things that don't show up on the stat sheet. But Patrick Beverly. <laughs> yeah. So we've heard his name linked to potentially the Suns, which, I mean, they need a point guard at some point. Uh, you might as well spend on him. Uh, if the Lakers don't get that third major free agent, then they would have a lot of cap space to spend. As a matter of fact, I, I would say the Lakers. I just, I just don't know. I understand the move to free up that room. Maybe that's intel. Maybe that's just we want the extra eight or nine million dollars to get two or three quality rotation guys, and maybe Beverly's one of those guys. That that'd be an interesting fit, especially if somehow Lance Stevenson comes back. <laughs> I just want to see Pat Bev and Lance Stevenson on the floor at the same time. Bring them all, yeah. Bring back Rondo. Bring back Javale McGee. Let's let's Lance. Let's get all the the the, the weird guys back together. Hi, <laughs> uh, I don't know where Bev will end up. I think the Lakers is fascinating. I am gonna I'm gonna do Jacob a solid right now, and I'm gonna say Oklahoma City. Oh, mm. get Russ and Pat Bev to bury really? the hatchet. I think. I say, did did I think, Russ get traded? <laughs> I think if uh, if Russell is okay with it, then it'd be incredible. I think we've talked about this before. I know Jake has said, you know, Russ has to be the one to make the call. If Russ calls Pat Bev and says, "Hey, I want you on the Thunder," man, I. I'd be ecstatic about that. I hate playing against him, but I would love him if he was on my team. Yeah, there's some history there. It's just I, I feel like I feel like there's enough teams out there where he's going to get that contract that he missed out on. Yeah, you know when Houston signed him a few years ago, they they signed him to a 
to a weird under market contract. And, you know, I, I, I kind of think he should be out trying to get double, you know, get, getting that uh, eight digit contract. Yeah. Um, that's a good, so I, maybe he'll actually get that this year. I agree. So this last guy, um, we can do a little bit more than rapid fire on him. I especially want your take on this, John. Wes Matthews, where do you think he ends up? And do you think Oklahoma City will still try to pursue uh, him? You know, again, I think OKC's pursuit may depend on their ability to free up the cash to justify using the mid-level exception. Um Uh, Look, one of the many enticing things I think last season for OKC to pursue him was he would he was going to be available for the pro rated veteran minimum. Well, I I feel like he's going to get more than the veteran minimum on this market. I don't know exactly where yet, um, but I think he sort of played his played himself back into the free agent picture. So, um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a really good spot where he could wind up. I just don't think he's going to be a minimum salary guy when all said and done. I don't know exactly what opportunity is going to open up, um, but but I feel like he's going to be able to cash in maybe for more than OKC could offer. Yeah, that's my fear with him too. I'm afraid that the ship for Oklahoma City to to potentially link up with West Matthews may have sailed earlier this year. I think. And I don't want to think this, but I could see a scenario where Wes Matthews ends up in a place like Golden State, uh, knowing knowing what they've got going on, the all the kind of balls up in the air in this offseason. Obviously, a lot of things have to go down in a certain way, but especially given Clay Thompson's injury, I could see them looking at a guy like Wes Matthews to potentially bring in and kind of fill that spot for him. So a guy like Wes Matthews, say Oklahoma City were to make some moves and and offer him a contract he would actually take, do you feel we would have to guarantee him a starting spot or would he be okay well, coming off of the bench the behind a guy the like um, you know, and I wonder if it's a starting spot or just the minutes and the yeah. closing lineup. Um, I, I don't know what's more important to the guy. So, um, you know, it, I, I could make a case that He's been around the league for a while. He just want to, wants to find a spot where he could win and OKC could potentially offer that to him. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like you say, if Golden State does come calling and they want to get a facsimile of Clay Thompson, you know, maybe he looks at that and says that's a better situation and, and it you know doesn't really matter if OKC drops the promise of a starting spot and the full middle-level exception on him. Maybe he would uh, look at Golden State and say that's where he wants to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, he, he would be an ideal fit in Oklahoma City, but I, I think you guys are both right when it comes down to it. He's a guy that's going to get maybe not more money than he's worth, but definitely more money than, than the sure Thunder can offer. Sure seems that way. Uh, but again, you know, we're a few days away from chaos happening across the league. So everything we just talked about could be just completely upended. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, John, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. If you guys don't already, you need to follow John on Twitter. He's at John M. Ham. Ham has two M's in it. You can also read his stuff at Welcome to Loud City. You can hear him on the Franchise Radio Show here in Oklahoma and as well on the, as the OKC Dream Team podcast. 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning into our episode this week. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast and on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter as well at the underscore uncontested. Free agency opens Sunday night at 6 o'clock Central Time. We'll be here to bring you all the Thunder-related news and signings. You guys can expect to hear back from us early next week. We're going to give free agency a couple of days, maybe a day and a half, then we'll be back with you. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy NBA free agency. And we will talk to you soon. As always, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.